0: Controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. All of these things that are stated here are worthy of uh, communication and preaching and teaching, explaining, Uh, but the primary focus this morning is on this phrase, it says, God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, considering that phrase, God being manifest in the flesh, we looked uh, this past Sunday at a few verses in the book of John. In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... With God and the Word was God. So the Word there is personified. It's speaking uh, t- uh, about Jesus, the person of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus Christ was the Word, and He was God. He was, He is, and will forever be God. So we, uh, in our study of Scripture, we have determined that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God. One God. And so, in this case, here, he says, uh, God was manifest in the flesh. Well, we also saw in John chapter 1, in verse 14, the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So Jesus Christ was the Word, and the Word was God. And so we could say Jesus was God, and Jesus God was made flesh. Are you with me? So Jesus Christ, God, was made flesh, or He took on a body of flesh and blood. Now, in this particular verse here, God was manifest in the flesh. It says, great is this mystery. Great is a mystery of godliness, and it says without controversy. And so, even though some may speak of it as controversy and may say, well, we don't believe that Jesus is God. Well, that is essential to your understanding or faith in God is understanding that Jesus Christ is God. And it's fundamental and foundational to your faith in the gospel. And so it's an important issue and an important thing that we must settle or should settle in our hearts regarding the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He was indeed God manifest in the flesh. We also studied... In the scripture and found that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived in her womb. And so she conceived by the Holy Spirit and she was a virgin. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He was born into this world. And so the virgin birth is also important for us to understand because without this virgin birth... There would would not be a sinless Christ to come and redeem us. In other words, Jesus was born of a virgin, bypassed natural generation, and he was born without sin. Unlike every other human being. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of humanity were sinners. We'd all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we had sinned. But Jesus bypassed that sin nature, and he got into this earth through a virgin birth, supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was born of a virgin. And so Jesus Christ took on a real human body. So Jesus Christ was God manifest, as it said here, manifest in the flesh. New International Version says He appeared in a body. Amplified Version says, Great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystic secret of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh. He, God, was made visible in human flesh. Living Bible says... Who came to earth as a man. So he, God, was made visible in human flesh. He came to earth as a man. In other words, he accessed this earth realm by getting in a body. And so now he becomes man by getting in this body. Now he's real man and he's still God. God manifests in the flesh. So he doesn't cease to be God when he gets in the body. He's still God, and yet he is man. He's real man, real God, and so God and man get joined together in the person of Jesus. Well, that's what the problem was. God and man had been separated because sin separated us from God, didn't it? And so sin separated us from God, but now God gets in the body, and so God and man are reconnected in that sense, right? Well, the reason he gets in a body is so that he can then qualify as a sin substitute or a substitute for man's sin. So Jesus Christ got in this body, lived as a man, walked as a man, lived a sinless life. No sin, did no sin. But then he went to the cross for us. So he actually can qualify as our substitute. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed the blood of bulls and goats and so forth. And they offered that to cover the sins of the people for one year. But every year, they would have to come back, sacrifice those animals, shed the blood of animals. The high priest would take it into the Holy of Holies and offer it as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And the sins of the people were covered For another year. But again, next year, again, the same process, again and again. But Jesus took on a body according to Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus took a body and he offered his body as a sacrifice for sins once and for all. Once and for all, meaning once for all humanity, once for all time. So his one sacrifice covers all of human sin. His one sacrifice covers all of time. In other words, at any time, any generation, anyone can call on the name of Jesus, confess Jesus as Lord. They can believe on Jesus Christ and their sins can be washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is still speaking from heaven today. That blood was offered on the On the mercy seat of heaven, the blood of Jesus is speaking from heaven and it speaks better things, the scripture says, than that of Abel. So the blood of Jesus is speaking redemption, is speaking deliverance, is speaking healing, is speaking forgiveness, is speaking grace to you and to me today. Hallelujah. How many can say thank God for the blood? So how is his blood going to do this? Well, he's going to offer his body as a sacrifice for sin. Well, he is actually on the cross going to be made sin for us. He's going to literally become our sin. So Jesus, let's go to 1 Timothy and we'll go to chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you'll just turn back one chapter. In chapter 2, verse 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, this is God's will, who will have all men to be saved. Everybody say all men. All men, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's will. No question. God would have all men to be saved. That's what he said. All men to be saved, all people to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, how is it that God's going to bring that to pass? How is he going to be able to save all men? Because that's his will. You say, well, is everybody going to get saved? No, according to the Bible, not everybody's going to get saved because everybody's not going to believe. But the provision has been made for anybody and whosoever will let him come and take of the waters of life freely. So anybody can get saved if they hear the gospel. Faith can come to their heart and they can believe. And that is a choice. It is not my job nor your job to determine who should be saved and who should not be saved. It is God's determination. He's already determined that everybody could be saved. And He's made the provision. And then anybody has a choice whether or not they're going to believe or not believe. He that believeth shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, it's very simple. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes... And is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So the choice then becomes theirs. No one can decide for someone else to be saved. You can try to legislate it. Right? But it doesn't work that way. You have to let people choose life. So God himself says, I've set before you, life and death. Choose life. He tells you, I mean, you know, if you got uh, two choices and God gave you the answer. I mean, if you your teacher in school said, "Now, I just want you to know uh, that you have two choices. You can answer this way or that way. But I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the right answer. It's going to be this way." Now, how many would just listen to the teacher? Yeah. No. Okay, you little rebel. All right. So <laughs> I can tell. I can... Not me. Okay. Well, whatever you want to do. Uh, fail the class. All right. So, all right. All right. So here we are. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. teacher. And he's told us us. that Jesus is the way. way. Real simple. Jesus himself, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no one comes to the Father but by me. There's always somebody that says, well, there's another way. You know you can't choose that. That's true. Anybody can't. Anybody can choose whatever way they want to get there. But, you know, you can go to L.A. But you can't get there on your motorcycle by going east and travel around the world on your motorcycle. Now, you can dream about it, but you will be bubbling. Amen. You'll be bubbling because you're going to hit the ocean. And you traveled all the way across the nation, and then you're going to ride into the ocean, and you're going to drown. (laughs) And you're going to wonder why they didn't just tell me. I could have gone east, I mean west, and gotten there in about four hours, four and a half hours. Well, you know, eternity is going to happen for everybody. Everybody's going to die. Touch your neighbor, say, you're going to die. I know that's not really, wow, really? Yeah, you're going to die. If that's, if that's news to you, you know, everybody's got an appointment. I, I didn't say your, your appointment is today. I'm just saying everybody's going to die. I mean, it's not like good news, but it's going to happen. It's because of sin. Sin is in the world. Everybody's going to die. Unless Jesus comes and gets you before you do. Right? But what are you going to do in eternity? Well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, look at your neighbor and say, but you can have life. Oh, that's a good news now, right? Isn't it? That's good news. But the way you get it, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here Jesus said, it's it's my will, or God says, it's my will that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. All right, let's go to the next verse. For there's one God, one mediator between God and me and the man, Christ Jesus. Everybody say, there's one God. One God. And then he goes further. He said, there's one God. Now, we have, in our study, we found out there's one God, but there's three persons in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods. One God. Eternally existing in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And here he says, there's one God. But then he says, there's one mediator. Now, he didn't say there's three mediators. He didn't say there's ten mediators. And he didn't say whatever you choose to be your mediator would be your mediator. No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man. You ain't the man. You might think you're the man, but you ain't the man. He's the man, all right? Jesus is the man. Now, you are a man, but you're not the man, right? Jesus Christ is the man. He's the man that made you be able to be a man. All right, so he said he is the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So now we have discovered from Scripture very clearly that he is God, But he's manifest in the flesh and he became man by becoming a man in a body. In other words, he became a man because he got in a body. So he's a real man and he's real God. He had real temptation and yet didn't yield to it. He lived a sinless life, but he's the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, how is he the mediator? Well, he's the go between, he's the peacemaker. Now, how does he do that? Let's go to the next verse. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself, he gave of himself a ransom for all, for everyone. So he's a mediator between God and men and not just some men, but all men because he gave himself a ransom for all. In other words, he gave his body, he gave his life, he laid down his life so that we could then be reconciled or restored to God or brought back to God. A mediator is one that gets two people to come together. So Jesus got in between you and God the Father, and he said, now I'm going to mediate and I'm going to stand between you and I'm going to get you back to God. How many are glad to know Jesus did it? All right, so he did it, but he did it by becoming our sin. He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. For us means that he was our substitute. He got in a body, he identified with humanity. Now, he can identify with humanity by just getting in a body. He's in a body. That's a big difference from being in heaven. All right, so he's in a body, but then he's tempted like we are, so he's identifying further with man's weaknesses, and he's dealing with that, and he's tempted in all points, but yet he didn't sin. Then he goes to the cross, and he identifies further. He actually becomes our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. So now the penalty for that sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. So once he... Pays the penalty for our sin and dies in our place. Then the next phrase, remember, God was manifest in the flesh. What does it say next? Justified in the Spirit. Now that's a big statement. He was justified in the Spirit. He was made our sin, tasted our death. And once He tasted death for us and suffered in our place and the penalty was paid, God could say justified. Which means... No longer guilty, which means your sin penalty has been paid, which means that you get to go free, which means you're no longer bound by sin and death and the devil and the God of this world. That's a good deal. Amen. So he was justified in spirit, but really it was our sin that needed this justification. And so he was doing that all as our substitute, which means he did it in our place. Now, if he did it in our place, then the penalty has been paid. Then our sin can be erased based on what Jesus did. He was a ransom for all, for everyone. Isn't that amazing? Somebody say amazing grace. Somebody say good news. So getting in a body was necessary in order for him to qualify as our substitute. Being made sin was necessary in order for him to fully be our substitute. Tasting our death was necessary in order for him to fully substitute in our place. And when he was justified, God declared you justified by identification. Wow. That's amazing. But you still have to believe on Jesus. You still have to receive him. Let's go to Philippians chapter... 2 Philippians chapter 2 in Philippians chapter 2 we're going to look at verse 5 it says in Philippians 2 verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus just so you know the setting this mind that he's talking about is a mind of humility he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he was equal with God. He is God, just like the Father's God, just like Holy Spirit is God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of, a man, of men. Made himself of no reputation, meaning that God the Father had it in his mind and had it in his will to send Jesus to die in our place, and Jesus said yes. He made himself of no reputation. He made a choice. He said, yes, Father, I'll go down there. Now that's a big choice. Leaving heaven and coming down here and being in a body. You got God now is in a body. That's a huge choice. He made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. So he was made in the likeness of men. Took on a human body. But he was still God. And he was no less God than he was when he was in heaven. Now, he did, however, his character, his nature, you understand, he's still God. And yet he stripped himself of this outward glory. So if he came down here in his glory, in his spiritual glory, you know, when, when he met people on the earth, they would probably just melt and dissolve, disintegrate because they couldn't take it. They couldn't take this glory. But Jesus came down here, got in a body, lived as a man. And he's walking as a man, living as a man, in the likeness of a servant. Verse 7 again, he said, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Now, he humbled himself to come down here first. Then he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. So Jesus humbled himself. So his life was a life of humility. Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was, he was going through this process. And we could say an agony of decision. Wasn't he? Because he, was, he was praying to the Father. And he just told his disciples, stay here and pray. And I'm going to go over here and pray alone. I'm going to talk to the father. He said, and and he said, you know, they couldn't hang with him. You know, they fell asleep. But he was praying, pressing into God in the presence of God. And he said, not my will, but Thy will be done. If it is possible, though, let this cup pass from me. You know, like this is not like a fun deal here. This is the cross. He's going to suffer on the cross. He's going to die. He's going to become our sin. He's going to taste our death. And so he's going through that agony of choice and decision. And he said, if it's possible. If it's possible. Let this cut pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now think with me. If it were possible. Would not the Father God just say, oh, yeah, there's another way. Forget all that. Jesus, just get rid of that body. Come on back up here. We got another way. We figured it out. But he didn't do that. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He prayed that three times. Not my will, but your will be done. And he released himself to the Father's will. And he said yes to God. Because there was no other possible way. There's one God, there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So Jesus was willing, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, death of an accursed human being, a cursed man. So he then became a curse for us. Galatians 3 and verse 13. He was made a curse. He suffered our penalty and took our pain spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. He took it all. He bore what no human being could bear. He bore your curse. He bore the full curse of sin. He was obedient unto death. And because he was, There was a resurrection. I said, because he was, there was a resurrection. He was fully obedient to the Father. And so God declared he's justified in spirit. Justified in spirit. Then it goes on in 1 Timothy 3. It says, seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Seen of angels means that he was raised from the dead. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was received up into glory. I mean, Jesus went through the process. But, you know, all of the blanks are not filled right there. So I've just filled a few of the blanks in between. Because first it says God was manifest in the flesh. Then God fast-forwards 33 years. He's on the cross. He's suffering for us. He shed His blood. He gave His life. He died for us. Suffered the penalty for sin. And God declared, they're justified. Hallelujah. But then there was the resurrection. And when the resurrection occurred, the devil did not laugh anymore. His mocking days stopped for a moment. I can tell you, his mocking days stopped. Because something happened in the realm of the spirit. That shut the devil down. Verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. God also exalted him and gave him a name, which is above every name. Hallelujah to Jesus. He was raised from the dead. He was exalted, given a name above every name. That at the name, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. Now listen to that. He's given him a name above every name, that at his name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And the Amplified Bible says every knee must bow. Every knee must bow, every tongue confess, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Heaven, things in heaven, other translations say beings. I believe it's the Rotherham translation says beings in heaven, in earth, and beings under the earth. So we could say angels, men, and demons have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. I said there is power in the name of Jesus. So you ought to get up in the morning and say, Jesus. Hallelujah. It says every tongue, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So how did you get saved? You believed, Romans chapter 10, you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You confessed Jesus as Lord with your mouth. When you said Jesus is Lord, Jesus' life came right into your spirit. The mediator between God and men brought you right back together again, hallelujah, with the Father. Father God, you were born of God. You received eternal life. You became a new creation in Jesus Christ. You were born of God. You became an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, something supernatural hit your spirit, and you received life from God himself. You were infused with the life of heaven. And God put his name on you. I said, God put his name on you. He put his name in you. I remember as a teenager starting to learn, about the, learn the word and find out some things. And I started exercising authority in the name of Jesus. And I really didn't know a whole lot, but I started doing what I knew. And then it started growing on the inside of me. And I started realizing the power and the authority that I had in the name of Jesus. And exercising my right of authority and dominion. And you can grow in your knowledge of Jesus. And grow in your knowledge of who you are. Remember those seven sons of Sceva. They tried to cast the demons out of that man. And the demons in the man spoke up and said. Because this is what the, the seven sons of Sceva said. They said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. So the demons spoke up and they said, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? And that demon, came, you know, that man just tore their clothes off and they ran, ran, ran off. It's true. It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. They said, but the demon said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? But, which tells me something. Demons get to know who you are. That's why they fight you so much. They know that you are a new creation. They just don't want you to know it. They know that you're born of God. They just don't want you to know it. They know that you're an overcomer. They just don't want you to know it. They know that you're more than a conqueror. They just don't want you to know it. They know that you've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God. ear, They just don't want you to know it. They know that you've been raised and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. They just don't want you to know it. So they're trying to blind people's minds and keep them ignorant of God's Word. Because they know if they can keep you ignorant and blind to the truth of God's Word, they can keep you bound. But when you find out who Jesus is and who you are in Jesus, you're not just speaking the name, you're carrying the name. Hallelujah. And when you speak the name, you are releasing the authority that is in that name because you know who you are, you know whose you are, and you know what name that you have to declare and exercise your dominion and your authority Through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. So his blood carries authority. His name carries authority. And at the name of Jesus, every demon must bow, hell must bow glory to God if we dare to recognize that's just the devil messing with my mind if we dare to recognize that's just a lie of the devil trying to attack me in my body that's just a lie of the devil trying to control my life no I resist the devil and I command you devil to leave I command your lies to desist I command demons to stop in Jesus name and I exercise my dominion and my authority in my own life in my own home, in my own family, in my own mind. You can exercise your dominion in the name of Jesus. And when you speak the name of Jesus, And when you praise the name of Jesus Christ and you worship the name of Jesus, he said he's exalted his word above his name. So you got the word of God, you've got the name of Jesus, you've got the blood of Jesus as your weapons of your warfare and your weapons are not carnal, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you get the word of God in your heart and get the name of Jesus on your lips and speak the word of God. God boldly with the authority of Jesus and speak by the authority of the blood of Jesus. Demons have to bow their knee. Demons have to run from you and flee. They have to get out of your way. They have to move out of your house. They have to move down the road somewhere. Somewhere. Nobody knows what to say. Doesn't know what to do. But you do. I said you know what to say. You say, I don't know what to say. Just say the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say, I don't know what else to say. Just say the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's power in just saying it out of your mouth. Just say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind right now. I plead the blood over my body right now. I plead the blood over my family. Devil, you can't have nothing. You can't have my family. You can't have my health. You can't have my mind. You can't have my wealth. You can't have nothing. You can't stop what God has started in me. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah, this is not just good preaching. This is good revelation that will work in your life. This will work at the house. This will work riding down the road. This will work in your car. This will work on your job. This will work in your family. This will work on your body. This will work on your mind. This will work in any place, anytime. There is no place and there is no thing. There is no demon that can stop the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. When you get it in your heart and get it on your lips, there's a release of authority, and every demon must bow. I've made up my mind. I've made up my choice. I've decided I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus, and I declare Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. He was Lord when I got up this morning. He was Lord when I went to bed last night. He's Lord at lunchtime. He's Lord in the night season. He's Lord when the demons come to attack your mind. He's Lord when they come against your body. He's Lord when they come against your family. He's Lord when they come against your money. He's Lord when they come to steal and rob from you. Jesus is Lord. So if you don't know what to say, just say what I'm saying right now. Jesus is Lord. Just get up and say it. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Just say I plead the blood of Jesus. Just say I exalt the name of Jesus. Just say there's power in the word of God. Just say I'm born of God. Just say I'm an overcomer. Just say, I'm more than a conqueror. Just say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. Just say, no weapon formed against me will prosper every tongue that rises against me in judgment. I will condemn, for this is a heritage of the servants of the Lord, and my righteousness is of God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. The Lord is good. So when you get up in the morning, start saying something. Good morning, Jesus. This is a day that you've made. I'm going to praise you today. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be dismayed. I know the Lord is with me for today. I know the Lord is on my side today. I know the Lord goes before me today. I know the Lord prepares a way before me. I know the Lord makes every crooked place straight. Hallelujah. I know the Lord brings the valleys up and he brings the mountains down. I know the Lord gives me a plane to walk on and I will do his will today. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is good. I'm going to let you take your seat. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around unless you're instructed to do so, please. If you could just maintain your seats for a, a few minutes. Give me just a few more minutes of your wonderful, precious, vital time. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're in this room today and you do not know Jesus, you do not have a personal relationship with God, God loves you.